0: What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan.
1: And I'm Taylor.
0: And Taylor, last night, I watched a grown woman puke her brains out while exiting Key Bank Center after a 2-1 to loss against the Dallas Stars. And boy, oh boy, is that an appropriate symbol of what this season has felt like. Overall, it was by no means a bad game from the Sabres. Darlene and Cousins notably looked about as good as we've seen them in some time due to them attacking the game rather than seeing much of the passiveness that we've seen in both of those guys throughout this season. Ryan Johnson, I thought, had a really solid night at both ends of the ice tage had a beautiful power play goal off of a gorgeous one-timer and upl looked great in that once again that said as has been the case for months now there's no moral victories here and a loss is a loss they dominated offensively for long stretches throughout the game but could not get anything aside from the tage power play goal past jake ottinger and lest we forget don granado for whatever inexplicable reason, thought that playing Kyla Pozo on the top line with Tage and Skinner was a good idea. And folks, it went about as bad as you would have expected it to. Taylor, what are your thoughts on the loss?
1: Well, you know, I guess uh, I'm not unlike the lady you saw puking, because uh, I'm also sick of this shit. It's really bad. It's this. Is, it's really annoying what's going on in general. I will say this, last night's game is more annoying than bad. They really took it to what is probably one of the top five teams in the league this year and a team that succeeded at every, really every phase. They're pretty much good at everything the stars are. And the Sabres really did play a good game against them. It ended up getting shut down by the one phase they couldn't crack, which is goaltending, Jake Ottinger. Uh, He was great. I feel like this is further penance for the first time the Sabres played Jake Ottinger which was back three years ago when I said they lost to a quote-unquote Dallas' fourth-string goalie, which was true. He was the fourth goalie they had that year. I had no idea he was actually a good prospect and or that he would turn out to be one of the best goalies in the league this quick. My bad, I guess. Uh, but, yeah, that's a tough one. It's I've talked so much this year about the Sabres getting goalied against bad goalies and how maybe that's not a trend and maybe it's something to be concerned about. I think this game in particular you might just be able to chalk it up to uh, – Jake Onger is a lot better than most other goalies in the league, and he just had a great game. But, man, that was a, that's tough to swallow. I believe that was his career high in saves, and I think it's also the most shots he's ever faced. So on one hand, that's a good thing. Like, you, you're controlling play, you're taking a lot of shots. On the other hand, it's not great, and I can't even complain about the power play because they got a power play goal. So, in general, what I'm wondering is less so what you thought of the game And more so, can you give us more details on this lady puking? How exactly did this go?
0: It was was unbelievable. So I went to the game with Eric, our, our pal Eric Corey, who I think he was on for one of our trivia episodes previously. But we end up leaving the game. We're walking out. As we're walking out, you know how it is when you're walking through the hallways and it's kind of like the slow kind of pace and people, you know, there's some lanes you get through, whatever. Well, we're walking and we're getting close to getting by the escalators. We're probably around section. I want to say it would have been like 101, 102 around there. And Eric is like a step in front of me at this point because, you know, you're trying to weave and get around. But he's literally right in front of me. And he looks over his shoulder and turns around at me and goes, dude, that lady's about to puke. And I, like, look up, see this woman to my right just standing still and just looking like she has the fear of God going through her, which, again, anybody getting after it for a Tuesday Night Sabres game against Dallas, like, God bless. But within, I want to say, it may have been, like, no more than about two seconds, even though it felt like it was, like, a good 15 seconds of me, like, seeing this woman just preparing herself for what was about to happen. And uh, and then we just, it's it's like I took two steps and then all of a sudden it's just splat and everybody around goes, oh, and just kind of keeps walking. And Eric goes, dude, I didn't even see her puke because I just, I knew it was coming and I just needed to put the blinders on and keep walking. Even though she did it low, like we were literally right next to her when it happened. It was... Disgusting. It was definitely a liquor puke. And it just, it, it was just not what you want to see after being disgusted by watching a hockey game. And maybe I'm using disgusted a little harshly, but I feel like with every loss this year, we, we could be at disgust. Like it's fine. But it was disgusting. It was gross.
1: Yeah. Oh well, glad we got the more information on that.
0: Yeah, if uh, anybody TV was Rose there, like it, if you follow us on Twitter or Instagram, and you were there and saw this happen or saw the after effects of it, please reach out with your personal accounts as well because uh, yeah, it was jarring. It was it was jarring to say the least. Anyways, though,
1: I was going to say last year we went to a Tuesday night game and saw a man get uh, physically removed. That was this season, wasn't it? That was last season. It was last March.
0: Tuesday oh, okay. It's Splendid- We did. We did. By about like 10 state troopers. Well, there were 10 the security guards out. and then
1: 100 Erie County Sheriff deputies. Yeah. The whole Erie County Sheriff's force came to get this guy out. He was a rascal. He was a real rascal. Um, but, yep. man, Tuesday nights, uh, stay away from Key Bank Center. The man the was
0: – he had to have been in – wasn't he in like his uh, 60s at least when we saw – Right. He He had like adult kids who were with him who were like, oh, no, as this man is trying to fight like 10, like 50 to 60 year old, like security guards who are just there for some like nice side pay and just trying to like enjoy themselves and get a little bit of side cash in. And this guy is like acting like he's in the plot of like a shitty action movie or something and needs to break free of like a prison.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it was crazy. Tuesday nights are I, I don't know. Can't recommend it enough to not go. But, yeah, this this is a – to get a little bit more general on the Sabres than that game, because I don't know if there's too much to glean from Tuesday night, I was actually looking into this between the Columbus debacle, which everyone knows what I'm referring to do with that. Between that and last night, there was a 20-something game stretch, I want to say, for the Sabres, where they basically were playing at a – what I would say is a low-end wild card pace or a really playoff bubble pace. About a 92-point pace in that time. And you might say that's good. was roughly a quarter of the season. I would say it was actually a concern for basically three reasons. First of all, it's a concern because the first quarter of the season was terrible. So you needed to do a lot better than that to catch up. Secondly, it was so much driven by UPL being so good. I don't know if people know this. UPL has basically been a 940 goalie in the new year. And he's since also since the Columbus game, he's been almost 9.40 in quite a few starts. He's taken over as the definite one A, and maybe just one at this point. And the third reason is because that was against a terrible stretch of teams. We talked about their bad stretch of they're going to play Chicago and San Jose and Columbus the second time when they actually beat them. Anaheim, all these teams they faced Anaheim twice actually I think and. We said this a million times, like, you, you got to kill that stretch if you want to get back into it. They didn't. They did fine in that stretch. Fine's not good enough. Now that stretch is over, and you're facing real teams like Dallas again, and it's like, this is, this is it. You got to start beating good teams now. And I'm mean, given what they saw in that stretch, I don't think it's happening. So it's just further confirmation for me that, one, the season is over, and, two, it really didn't have to be this way.
0: I I couldn't agree more. I think one of the big takeaways from this game for me, and I kind of touched on it a little bit in the intro is just this idea when we're talking about like nights where they get goalied or something like that, or they put up a good effort or they looked good or they outplayed a team, what have you, but they weren't able to pull out the victory. It, it kind of reminds me of some of the conversations that we were having about the goalies, earlier in the season I'm trying to remember back specifically I think it might have been Levi maybe I think UPL as well but it was essentially the premise that uh you know with the goalies a lot of the struggles in in goals allowed that we were seeing were from like tough shots whether it was like high danger chances uh from tipped goals uh a a tough screen something like that and where it's like oh well you know you have to take that into consideration whatever but I remember though at the time being like okay that's fair but what separates an average goalie or a bad goalie from a good goalie is that the good goalies don't need the excuse the good goalies save the tip shots they're able to save the shots when they have really tough screens in front of them they're saving high danger chances you know and that's kind of comparable to how I feel about last night's game where like, I absolutely like, it was, it was good to see, like seeing them in person and just, you know, the fact that they were just peppering Dallas with shots. I think at the end of second, at the second period, or close to the end of the second period, they had double the amount of shots that Dallas had. Like they were on them and they were generating chances. And that was great to see. And like I said, in the, in the top, it was great that cousins and Darlene looked how they looked. You know, I think that both of them, I chose the word attacking the game there because they both have been very passive this year. You know, we had talked about uh, uh, right before the break, a couple weeks before the break, that one of the troubling trends that we had seen with Dylan Cousins was that he would kind of just like give up on zone entries or he wouldn't really like use his physicality or in his body in the way that he was using it last year. Like specifically to like, OK, I have a one on one with a guy like I'm not going to pull up and look for my options. I'm going to use my six three like big frame and I'm going to physically go around this person. I'm going to beat them because I'm faster than them, I'm stronger than them, and I'm going to score a fucking goal. And we have not seen that. We had not seen it from Cousins for a, a majority of the year. There was just so much of this this passiveness to his game where he's just complicating things too much. He's making an extra deke. He's, he's missing a read, what have you. And the same could be said for Darlene too. And, and that's both you know backed up by his play on the ice, what he's saying off the ice and talking about how he needs to be more conscious of his defensive game. And then that is in turn then taking away from his offense. And I felt like last night was really the first time in a very long time, maybe all season, if I'm like blanking on a game or two here or there, where it felt like both of those guys we very locked in. So that was great. Like I said, Johnson, uh, Ryan Johnson, I thought, had an excellent game. I, I feel like he – it's similar in a way to how we were talking about power last year where he just makes these very savvy cerebral plays that aren't going to show up on a score sheet, but it's the right play. It's the right read. It's a great pass. It's a great look. I was just seeing that a a ton from Ryan Johnson and also too, for him being a smaller guy, he he's you're, you're starting to see, you know, we've seen growing pains throughout the year, but I feel like we're also seeing a lot of growth in his own zone and making a lot of those smart plays and, and not needing to, you know, I, I don't know. I guess he's compensating in a way for him not being a, a more physically imposing guy. UPL again, another great performance, and you absolutely not can cannot pin this loss on him in any way. So there's a lot of bright spots there, for sure. Like I get it. But the fact remains that you can have all of these things go in your favor. You can have the refs being bastards like how they were at the end of the game, too, with some of the penalty calls there, which I want to actually get to that a little bit after. But there's all of these things and like, it's great. And yes, you have things working against you. You have things working for you and all, oh, it's just a tough night, whatever. But that really just like, can't fly. Like we need to have some standards here. It's just the case with, I feel like how we talk about the bills and Sabres a lot of times where like with the bills, you know, you have a nearly two decade playoff drought, but the Sabres, you have the longest playoff drought in the history of the sport and it just feels like a lot of times fans are just like, and maybe less with like this game in particular, but like we're, we're just settling or happy with getting crumbs rather than what we actually should be getting here, what we should command out of these teams, what we should demand from them, you know, with the suffering that we as fans have had to go through. And it's, it's from top to bottom. I mean, it's, it's, it's terrible. And so looking at this game, I'm happy that they gave a great effort and, and I can, from like a big picture perspective, <laughs> you know, feel hopeful that if they continue to play like this, that they're going to start getting the bounces. They're going to sneak some past these guys. Some of the finishing touch is going to return for these guys. But the reality is until that happens, it means nothing. Like in the grand scheme of things, Darlene and cousins had a great game last night. That's awesome. It It doesn't matter until you start winning games. You know, and as we talked last year so much about Tage and Cousins and Darlene and Tuck and Skinner having these career seasons and how not positioning positioning themselves to be a legitimate playoff team, you know, go out and make a move to get somebody to, to help make you better or what have you, or the mistakes that were made in the offseason prior and not going out and getting anybody then, whatever. You know, we talk about that with those guys and – I'm curious for your thoughts on this. I'm getting the feeling about that with UPL now this year, where you are getting, let's call it what it is, like an excellent, 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 excellent stretch where you are getting borderline top 10 goaltending from UPL. He's keeping you in every game. It seems like a lot of the adjustments that he's made to his game are just so evident, Compared to a lot of the things that we were seeing from him last year, whether it was like a lack of control in uh, a body control, uh, you know, his positioning, his angles that he's playing um, his aggressiveness versus, you know, playing it safe, all of these things, it feels like he has honed in on and it feels as though he's, I don't know how to put it. Like he actually is playing like the large goalie that he is like he is playing big and i feel like he really wasn't doing that very much and that's something that i think gave him a lot of success when he was coming up like when he was in the OHL and and uh, you know getting his career off the ground you know and and in, in rochester when he was coming back from like the hip stuff and everything like that in these bright spots like i i think the easiest way to boil it down is that UPL was playing big and playing well, and being mindful of his body and how he can use that to his advantage. Like, we don't need you to be Dominic Hashik, man. We need you to just like be sound positionally, know your angles, know when to be aggressive and when to pull back from it. And, and just to do that on a consistent basis. And we've gotten that from him this year. It, especially like these last couple months. Like I, I know that there was some ich play in the in the beginning of the year, but like he has really, really settled in here. And it just makes me all the more frustrated that there has just been this sitting on your hands approach to building this roster up to being a playoff contender. And again, like my question for you, Taylor is like, do you get a similar sense where similar to how we felt like last year could have been a waste of Darlene and Tage having these big years? Do you feel that that's the case right now with UPL?
1: Uh, Yeah, I think so because Goaltending was a thing we didn't didn't know they had coming into the year. So UPL, I I don't know if nice surprise is the right way to put it, but, you know, if I would have said coming into the year, UPL at this point would have 24 starts with 9-10 save percentage. I I think most people would take that, more than take it. I think at that point I'd be like, wow, I I guess we're going to make the playoffs. And the fact that they are not even close right now, I think it really is – Confident shattering in a lot of ways for them, but also for fans, because this team, it seemed like, was just going to be a genuinely good high-scoring team, and now it's like their power play is such a mess, even though they scored last night. I don't know what to say about it. It's just stunning how low they are percentage-wise this far into the season. But beyond that, you just talked about Cousins, so I'll just echo that like it was a good game, but Cousins has not been the same guy. And on top of that, Quinn's barely played, Cage, 15 goals at this point. That kind of sucks. I know it's been an injury thing and, and a little bit about the power play not feeding him. Tuck, a little bit worse than I thought. Skinner, falling off a cliff. Paterka has been better than you would expect, but not, not I guess, not a world beater of late. And then Benson, yeah, Benson's been really good. Benson also has four goals. So Benson, it's that's an age thing. It's not his fault or a knock on him, but it's like, he's not replacing offense and now it just sucks. Cause now like going forward, you look at it like, wow, Tage kind of gets hurt a decent amount. Tuck definitely gets hurt a good amount. You'd be a little scared about that. And Skinner is going to be 32. So you're going to have to be worried about like, is Cousins the guy we thought he was? Uh, how are Cooley and Savoy going to take over And all of a sudden? It's like, you have, I, I, I have not that much confidence going to next year that they're going to be a really high scoring team. And maybe they will be, but I, I'm not sure of it at all. And, now, that almost makes me care less that UPL is as good as he is. I mean, it's a huge, it's it's a nice boost or whatever, but yeah, it's a huge waste. And this could be a stretch where it's like, like I said earlier, this isn't, he is 9 10 on the season. His stretch since he, they got destroyed by Columbus has been like 9 40. That's the kind of stretch where it's like, you could, someone can be like, wow, how are the Sabres 12 3 1 in their last 16 games? And you could be like, yeah, they're playing a bad schedule and their goaltender's going off and it's like you know what that that'd be the case but those points would be banks. UPL going on this stretch against these shitty teams and the sabers not having uh not taking enough advantage of that to get within like eight points of the playoffs or whatever it's it's disgraceful and it's uh it's almost a little uh, underrated uh just how much UPL has uh, guided them through this time and if UPL was playing like he did last year I think Renato would be out of a job right
0: now totally one thing I do want to add when it comes to UPL Chad Dominicus had that even though let's preface Sabres outshot Dallas I believe it was 48 to 30 last night I want yeah 48 to 30 Sabres outshot them UPL still managed to have 2.23 goal saved above expected. And Dallas Uh, had the Dallas had the better uh, expected goals in all situations in this one too.
1: Yes, that tells you that this is not that this is that's a micro example of the larger point. This is not really the Sabers defense playing better. Yeah. Even when they give up a normal amount of shots, like thirty, they give up a lot of expected goals because of certain guys I won't even mention at this point, but you know who I'm talking.
0: That's fair. Hey, do we want to hear a word from our sponsor before we inevitably get mad about Kyle Opozo?
1: Yes. Well, Oppozo, or do you want to come out of this and talk about the refs? Think about it while we're talking about this. Uh. Folks, looking for a super offer for Super Bowl 58, DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered. New customers can bet on the big game and turn 5 bucks into 200 instantly in bonus bets. And folks, if you've ever bet on the Super Bowl, you know just how many different things you can bet on in all the different props. It's not just about the money line the over under the spread forget about it there's a million player props there's weird stuff how long is the national anthem going to be how long the halftime show going to be what's going to be the first song is it going to be yeah who knows what's Mm. the color is the gatorade going to be how's the coin toss going to go a million different things you can bet on DraftKings Sportsbook. The only way to do it is to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. New customers can bet five bucks to get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner, Super Bowl 58 with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem, call one 800 gambler or visit www1800 gamblernet In New York, call 877-8 Hope and or text Hope and Y at 467-369. In Connecticut help is available for problem gambling. Call 888 888- 789-7777, or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boothill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. cdkng.com slash football for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. So, Brendan, do you want to get mad about Oposo, or do you want to get mad about the refs?
0: Let's get mad about both. We could talk about the refs first because it will probably be – quicker i guess but i mean just an embarrassing string of calls in the third period in that one the sabers had two five on threes against in the third in this game it was it was just terrible and i will note too we're critical of granado yes i i understand can see that we have been on his ass about this for a bit when he's been good we have shined the light on those things and he's been bad we have also talked about those things one thing that really bothered me though is that I felt like it took him a little longer than I would have liked to for him to get fired up on the bench last night after some of these penalties because I was sitting in 119 directly across from the Sabres bench and I would kind of like after the entire arena would be freaking out along with the players freaking out about some of these calls I would kind of look over because I wanted to see how Granada would react And he didn't really have much of a reaction for the the first five on three. It wasn't until the second one that he kind of like the fuse blew and he went like started yelling at the ref, but I don't need him to be like a rah-rah kind of guy or anything like that. But I just think about other coaches around the league and how vocal they are and how commanding their presence is and how, you know, because I think it's not even just a matter of getting angry for the sake of getting angry or getting mad about the call itself. It's also light a spark under the guys. People notice that if you're showing your emotion like that, and you're going to bat for these guys, I mean, listen, neither of us have been behind an NHL bench before, but that's inevitably going to fire people up. And, And we've seen that throughout the league, throughout our time as hockey fans. It does like you, you get a response from your players in that sense. Like if you are fired up because it's in turn saying, I'm going to bat for you. I'm going to lose my shit right now because of how much I care about this team and this game right now. And I just, I wanted to at least mention that, that there was just like a, a few instances of that where I was like, God damn it, Granato. Like you have Tage like standing up and screaming at a ref on the bench. And he's just like, stone face there in the, with the iPad. And then he comes up and he, you know, he seems like he's huffing and puffing a little bit, but he doesn't really do anything. And so anyways, though, back to it. I mean, just brutal calls. The, uh, the tripping call on UPL was a joke. The, what was the one it, there was a roughing call, I believe uh, in front of the net, which was an embarrassment. There was a, a a holding call. Like it was awful. It was absolutely awful. And it was one of those, experience at times whatever where you see it happen when you're at the game you see it happen in real time and the entire arena know knows I mean, the bullshit know. as soon as it's called and everybody is like groaning and like yelling after the call because you know right away and of course there's times where they show the replay on the board and then everybody kind of shuts up a little bit because you realize like oh yeah that really wasn't great but it was just clear as day seeing it on the ice clear as day on the the jumbotron how egregious these calls were and on top of that the one that killed me was the one tripping call you had two it was in the it was in the saber zone zone one of the penalties i should just say it was in the saber zone zone in a rush coming back in in a ref who was behind the play still in dallas's zone was the one who made the call and not the ref that was looking directly across the ice from the play as it was happening it was terrible, and everybody knew it right away. And to my point before, it comes up on the Jumbotron, and everybody then, of course, the the 15 of us who were there, we all went ballistic. It was terrible. How bad did it look from your perspective watching the game?
1: Honestly, really bad. And I, I'm kind of reticent to get into refs too much because I think in general, even when there's incompetence, it evens out. I don't know for the Sabers this year. I don't know if I'm just being a homer, but it's it seemed really bad this year. And I know the pet- penalty differential at least earlier in the season. I don't know if it still does. I think it kind of backs that up that the Sabers are taking more than they're getting. It's I don't know. It's it's looked bad, and and honestly, it, it gets bad when because he's not really much of a homer. Honestly, weirdly about this stuff is Rob Ray. He can be a big time homer about like, hey, not a bad period by the Sabers. Meanwhile, they gave up four goals to Columbus or whatever. But he doesn't really get on the refs much, and he's been this year. I think getting on them a lot more, and I think you see that from Dunleavy as well. It's been—I don't know—it's a lot of these look bad. I'm not sure they're getting as many the other way. And this year, in particular, not that it's a conspiracy or anything, but I don't know. I think there's been a lot of bad calls, and it seemingly always in the third period. I don't know what's up with that.
0: It has been a trend. We've—I feel like we've seen it all year, and I'm with you too. That like. I try to be very objective as objective as I can be when it comes to reffing, but it's just been constant throughout the year. And I feel like every game I've been to, there's been a a handful of call, like at least a call or two where people are in like genuine disbelief about the call being made. So I I don't think that it's a, a Homer, like getting mad at the refs or whatever. It was, it was pure nonsense. I don't know. I, I really don't have much else to say about it. It was just bad. Like so evidently bad. Can we you talk sh- about well, something else that's bad?
1: Uh uh Oppo being on the first line. Is that what we're
0: gonna yeah, say? Oh, it, being on the first line, and let's also loop in there. Oppozo being on the first power play unit, too. I oh my god, I I for the life of me cannot understand what Granado is is thinking with that. Now let me preface all of this by saying that I felt like last night was the first time in a bit that the power play was showing like genuine signs of life, which was good. Cage obviously was a great goal. That being said, that lasted I think for maybe only a couple of the, like I want to say two or three of the five power plays. Otherwise, it was so predictable what they were trying to do with just, like, setting up Tage. And even on the goal that they scored, like, everybody knew that it was it was trying to set up a one-timer to Tage. Uh, Dallas, obviously, was, like, leaning and playing that all throughout the game, and it just was working, though, for the Sabres initially because I felt like they were a little bit more active and moving um, rather than, like, a lot of the, the stagnant kind of standing still that we've seen from them. But what I just, again, cannot understand is that Playing a on the first line with Tage and Skinner, I just I don't really see what benefit that could possibly serve. Because if you want to say that those two guys maybe need somebody who needs to like be gritty along the walls or in the corner or anything like that, then like I can, I guess, subscribe to that. That being said though, like you have to be able to do that effectively and also have some foot speed and a just does not at this stage of his career. He's just he, he's, he's a not a good liner. Yeah, he he's not a good skater. He does not have this ability to play up the lineup. He doesn't have that versatility anymore. That's not to say that, you know, he's he needs to like he, he shouldn't play another game this season like but like you said, he is a fourth liner. That is it. Play him on the penalty kill, play him on the fourth line. He should not be getting power play time. And and on top of that, it's not even about him getting the power play time. It's him being on that first unit when you have Middlestat, Paterka, Benson, Krebs, Huck, all of these guys that would make more sense there. I have my own personal opinions about, obviously, what that first unit should look like but what I can tell you is that there is at least five guys that I would rather have out there than Kyle Opozo with that first unit that went out yesterday. It it just, it does not make a bit of sense to me. He's not, he's not a scoring threat. He's just not, it's not what his game is anymore. Like this is not the Jack Eichel era Sabres where like early on in Opozo's tenure that he was a legitimate threat on the power play and was this kind of power forward, hard-nosed kind of player. That's just not who he is anymore, and he doesn't give you that value. So for them, I mean, I obviously, you know, we say enough or it's been said enough over the years about Skinner being on the first power play unit. It just, it makes no sense with Opozo, and it just, it drags down the power play unit, and at five on five, it holds back Cage and Skinner, and there's just no getting around it. Like, he should just not... Do that anymore. Apozo should not see anything higher than the fourth line, and that's fine. Because again, as we said a couple weeks ago, what are you doing right now with with the Quinn injury? That for not only like the immediate future, but the long term future of this team and figuring things out, what are you doing right out of the gate, giving that kind of an opportunity to Apozo and not giving it to Krebs or even to a much lesser extent, somebody like Eric Robinson. Like I think Robinson is what he is, and that's fine. And I he's been uh, an NHL fourth liner like this year for the Sabres since we've acquired him, which is great. It's more than I thought he was going to be, if you want me to be honest. But I don't mean to belabor the point, but like, what are you doing with Krebs? What are you doing, not giving him this opportunity right now? Oppozo is not going to be on this team next year. He he's just not. Like we know this is going to be the case. I cannot in any world see him coming back, whether it's him sticking around uh, and and wanting to play another year. And Adam's thinking that that's something that he should sign up for, or just the fact of him, like just why he wouldn't just retire. Like there's just no way that opposed was going to be there. You are, if they're being realistic, they have to go on a crazy run to be able to even get in the playoff conversation, not even get into a spot, just be in the conversation. So, Knowing that the season might be a wash, you know what you have in a But again, like we don't fully know what we have with Krebs. He has not gotten a look on a consistent enough basis in the top nine with players who can score, who can create offense to to know what the verdict on this guy is. So you're just going to keep giving him scraps at five on five and not play him at all on the power play. And you're instead going to put Jordan Greenway and Kyle Apozo out there and give, give them these opportunities. It just, it, it does not make any sense to me. And it's not even just a matter of like, you know, you got to figure out what you have in a player and like looking at it from like even that simple of a point of view to me, it boils down to them and, actively not acting in their best interests with with how they're handling this player
1: yeah it's it's kind of uh bizarre to me because it's like if you don't trust him this much to this extent if you're just this disinterested in playing up the lineup and giving him a chance and seeing what you have why not like why is he not in the press box why is he not an option to wave like jost was like what's the point at this point like if you're not willing to do that, then you're not willing to figure it out, then you're not willing to find out if you should commit to him. That means you're probably not going to commit to him. And should you be looking to trade him then? He hasn't shown up in any trade rumors. I don't get it. What, what do you want to do with this guy? If you don't like him, you don't like him. and You just move on. But I, I think before you decide if you don't like him, you should at least give him some of these opportunities. And then, then if you decide to move on in the offseason, so be it. But this is a weird kind of in-between game they're playing, which kind of goes back to what I was – Getting at earlier uh, with, you know, their terrible start and UPL being pretty good. UPL being good has gotten them to this point where they think they're still in the playoff race, which I guess they suppose they kind of are, but it has it that has caused them to not do what they should be doing, which is start having an eye on next year. That doesn't mean tank or whatever; it means do what you think is best for the future. Not do everything we can to try. To nail our three percent chance to make the playoffs, so that's playing Krebs up the lineup to figure out what you, what he is. It's just straight okay, a few guys just straight up get rid of. You don't have to ever see him again. Um, start to, I guess, really factor in what, what kind of player Ryan Johnson's going to be next year, and see, you know, start maybe give him more. Just straight up be a top four guy, or or I don't know, start you know UPL next year. Uh, should you try to just ride him for the rest of the season? So he's kind of more used to being uh, a number one goalie. Just all these things you could do for next year. Uh, and that I think Krebs is part of that play. Figure out what Krebs is. Otherwise, because you're going to have to make a decision on the guy. You have a million forwards between prospects and NHL guys. So a decision has to be made there.
0: Well, and let's get back to Opozo Taylor. I mean – what could be the rationale here? I don't even know if that's even a relevant question because I don't think that there really is any argument that you could make other than he's a veteran, <laughs> which isn't even an argument. It's just a fact that you're pointing out. I, I just, I don't understand what the rationale can be. And again, I, I always try to say, it cause I don't want it to sound like we're just like shitting on Granado for the sake of it or anything like that. But I just what is this guy doing like your job is on the line and this is what you're you're doing you're playing Kyle Ozo on your first line
1: Yeah I, I think it's, it comes it's there's not too much to say about it the simple thing is he's no longer fast enough to keep up with players like that he's no longer fast enough uh, even in the sh- short uh, intermediate bursts to play in a power play that's it too slow has to be a bottom 6 guy no way around it and he yeah. can be a good yeah. bottom six guy when he's on but that's what he is
0: so that being said what's the solution here then in your eyes is it Oppozo back to the fourth line Krebs up and then where does Krebs go do you give him a look on that first line with Tej and Skinner or do you then move somebody else in the top nine up maybe somebody maybe you move up Praturka. also why are you putting JJ on that first power play unit too given the hole that's there I mean, I would much rather
1: even though he slowed down, that's he should be rewarded with more power play time.
0: He he should. And I feel like a a look that I would be interested in seeing for the first unit. What if you tried to run. Tage and Darlene on the points, Casey at center. Paterka on one of the wings and then Cousins on another wing or tuck. And you had let's just say let's say Cousins. So you have Paterka, Casey, Cousins, Tage, Darlene. And then your second unit can be Power, Tuck, Skinner, Benson, Krebs.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? Am I missing I anybody? anybody? No, that's everyone. Yeah. Because the only other person from the top nine that wouldn't be in would be Greenway because you'd have eight forward. Yeah. Yeah. So that'd be it. I mean, why not give that a look? Just doesn't make sense. A lot of the, uh, Not only the rationale for decisions, but the why as to why certain things aren't happening. They feel lost. They do. They do. I felt like yesterday watching that game. I mean, I really felt like this for a while, but just being in the arena yesterday I can't believe I'm saying this because I always have been very just against this as like a general premise. And not that I think that it applies for like every team or should be considered like in a vacuum always, but it really feels like the Sabres need like a veteran coach here. You know, you're back to back with first Granado who had barely any coaching experience. And then Granado, who was also in his first time, you know, in a head coaching gig and I just think that as part of the the breath of fresh air that they need, it needs to be somebody that has a proven background and understanding of all that goes into successfully navigating an eighty-two game season, and that's something that neither of those two guys have, you know. That actually none of the their past three coaches have had. None of them have had actual proven like successful uh campaigns as a head coach in the league and it just feels like the sabers now you know not only because of how young they are as, as a franchise uh you know in terms of like the player group but like they just need somebody that can get them out of this like somebody competent enough to get them across the finish line because I feel like it seems – the task seems so much more daunting because it has been 13 years, but it cannot be overstated that half the teams in the league make the playoffs. It should not be this hard. So I just am completely on the train now of go out and get a veteran head coach, go get Boudreaux or Woodcroft, hire them somebody that has proven that they can win at the nhl level as a head coach leading a team showing that while of course they have their faults they at least know how to successfully maximize a lineup and get the most out of guys or just like have schemes that are successful in the nhl what are your thoughts
1: i mean yeah i've been on Boudreau for a while i think you absolutely have to after the season, you have to have someone you trust, someone who's made the playoffs. I feel like it, it's almost a must hire for him. There's other guys, like you mentioned Woodcroft there. It's not like there's only one guy in the whole world that can hire, and other guys that could fire that'll become available, I'm sure. But I his track record speaks for itself. I think you just have to do that in the situation. I don't and I think you should be willing to pay a lot of money to do it too.
0: I agree. It's worth it. It's an investment worth making. Like it needs to be priority number one getting to the playoffs. It was supposed to be the case this year, and it doesn't even feel like that. I don't know. It's just it's so disappointing that you really you you put it so well. It was uh last episode, or maybe it was a week or two ago, where you or no, it was last episode where you said that your biggest opinion that had changed throughout this year was the fact that it now feels like there isn't a plan in place. Like they don't know what they're doing. And I think that's really true. I think that for a while there was a plan and they were following a blueprint that is great. You could even say for building up, <coughs> you know, rebuilding or retooling, whatever you want to call it, uh, for this specific instance of the Sabres you know, they, they went about that absolutely the right way. They maximized their sell moves. You know, they got ample return back in, in each of the big moves that they had to make. They scouted well, conceivably. They drafted well. Developed well enough to a point, And it kind of just ended there. Like there was no next step. There was no how do we take this to the next level? How do we bring in somebody to elevate this team, whether it is in the form of a player or a coach? There's just really been none of that, and it just it feels so hopeless. Which is yeah, fun. I don't want to talk about it anymore. All right. Uh, <laughs> anything we want to add before we sign off? Oh, you have any thoughts
1: on the Super Bowl? Uh speaking oh, of Niners. 40, I mean,
0: I'm 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 pulling for the Niners for sure, yeah, obviously, 100%. as I feel like most people are. You know,
1: it's it's annoying because I've really always liked the Super Bowl as a uh event. Mm-hmm. I think it's really cool. Like I I think it's cool that even people you you are an I age like have seen such a high percentage of the Super Bowls. I figured this out recently. After this one, I'll have seen forty three percent of Super Bowls, which I think is cool. But I, I've lived through a significant amount of that history. But so many of the Super Bowls in our lives, as uh, WGR's Joe DiBiase pointed out recently, for people our age also, such a high percentage featured Mahomes or Brady. And I don't conflate Mahomes and Brady in terms of me hating them the most. Like, I, there could never be someone I hate as much as Tom Brady. But this shit is really getting tiresome to, to have the same team in here. Again, just basically directly after... Uh, that that era ended for Mahomes. So what I've uh, been doing, first of all, is really hoping the 49ers are going to win, despite the fact that I don't think that's going to happen. I've watched every 49 ers Super Bowl, except for the, the one from a couple years ago against the Chiefs. Uh, I've just had them in the, on in the background while I've been working this week. Uh, and I think what they should do is win by a lot. That's what they did in all those other Super Bowls.
0: It's a really good plan.
1: Yeah, you know, I think what they should do is, well, they they haven't tried this. Unfortunately, they won't be able to do this. Try to have the AFC inexplicably send a bad team to the Super Bowl. Mm. But that worked a couple times. Try to play the Dolphins. That worked one time, and then they actually had a couple close ones uh, against the Bengals. Those were interesting. Okay, okay. Hmm. You know what? Super Bowls—they're mostly all on YouTube for free. So if you anyone wants to watch any old ones, they're interesting. Uh, it's there's a lot there's a lot you can learn.
0: All right. I love that. I actually also want to add, I want, aside from the like usual, you know, Bill's reasons, general football fandom reasons for wanting San Francisco to win. I also really want them to win because the Brock party discourse will just go to unthinkable heights after this. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it's
1: not that's, well, maybe it's a little different, but it's not too dissimilar from, Uh, What happened after the Super Bowl, I I just watched before this, we got on here, was the Ravens 49ers won, which interestingly enough, another good quarterback performance from the 49ers, better one from the Ravens, but Joe Flacco winning, then it was like, well, what the hell are we going to do with this playoff run? Joe Flacco just threw 11 touchdowns and no interceptions for a playoff run. It was fascinating. And in hindsight, the answer was, I don't know, still, (laughs) it's been more than a decade. I don't know what to make of Joe Flacco. But yeah, the Proc Party thing would be super cool. I honestly have no idea what to think about that guy still, but I, I'm in favor of winning the Super Bowl. I think it's such an interesting thing that the 49ers this, – this blew me away. I don't know if you're ready to even hear this. The first 49ers quarterback to throw an interception in the Super Bowl was Colin Kaepernick. Holy shit. Yeah, they threw 17 touchdowns in the Super Bowl before an interception. Um. And that's, I want to unveil this take on Twitter tomorrow. Joe Montana is the best Super Bowl quarterback ever, and it's not even a question. I can't even believe that would be disputed at this point.
0: Big it's wife been, guy, Joe Montana.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Huge even wife guy. A video on Twitter that he used to call his wife from stadium phones. Mm-hmm. Uh, check that out. It's hilarious. But yeah, never threw an interception in the Super Bowl. Dynamite in every Super Bowl uh, had two close wins against the Bengals, destroyed the 84 Dolphins uh I don't even disemboweled the Broncos in 89 oh my God insane watch that Super Bowl folks or don't honestly it's 55 to 10. just look at the stats from that Super Bowl when you get Super Bowl blowouts we've had very few in our lifetimes none of them have been like that that is like a power five college team playing like a Mac team it was wow. total beat down insane and then Steve Young only in one Super Bowl but he threw six touchdowns so Kaepernick, People may not remember that. Had kind of a crazy effort in the comeback between his running and passing. He also had a really good game. Maybe not as good as Flacco, but crazy quarterback duel. Those two Hall of Famers we all love.
0: Flash of the Titans. Flacco. Oh yeah. And then
1: and then Jimmy Garoppolo also played in the Super Bowl. Crazy. Can't deny that. Good for him.
0: He so he did Brock play Purdy in the Super
1: Bowl. Yeah, I, I would guess Brock Purdy ranks somewhere between uh jimmy Garoppolo in 2019 and steve young in 94 i guess we'll find out
0: all right should be exciting hey i have a really good recommendation for the people what's that at, they should come hang out with us on friday at buffalo ironworks if you're not doing anything friday and you're looking for some fun plans everybody my cover band slow animals is doing a really cool show where we're covering both of the Strokes and Arctic Monkeys debut albums. So is this it by the Strokes and whatever people say I am, that's what I'm not by Arctic Monkeys and our friends from time to pretend, which is another really good local cover band. They are covering the killers debut album, hot fuss from start to finish. So three classic indie albums, three of the best albums of the 2000s, three of the best debut albums of the 2000s all in one night doors at seven o'clock music starts at eight Taylor and I will be there. We think Yvonne will be there. Lots of pals will be there. It's going to be a great time. You can get your tickets now at buffaloironworks.com, or you can get them at the door, whatever you would prefer. They're cheaper if you get them now, but come and hang out. It's going to be a great time. And as is always the case, you can use your either free slap up or maybe depending on how it's going, uh, shot voucher. If you come up to us and say that you got tickets because you heard us talking about it on the podcast.
1: And as, all right,
0: Yeah. in case I will pay for it.
1: <laughs> also, do we want to do a Super Bowl trivia on Sunday's episode, even though it's airing on Monday?
0: Yeah, that could be fun. I'm down. How yeah, about I quiz right. you? I feel like that's probably much more entertaining. You quiz me? Yeah. All right. Yeah, let's do it. I'll I'll come up with something. Hey, one other thing. We do have to give one quick shout-out for another thing we have to do on Sunday. Our friend on Twitter, E, I'm assuming the name is Ethan, but the, the handle is at E-T-H-10-T-H-M-S. Uh, had reached out to us on Twitter and asked if we would do a review of a song uh, that he is really into or about i'm I'm thinking it's a real song i didn't end up listening to it yet but we're gonna do that for our monday episode so that could be a cool fun thing that we're gonna start to do if you guys have music that you think we should listen to and you'd like to hear our take on either comment on our instagram post or send us a message on instagram or twitter reply to us whatever it is uh hit us up and we'll we'll do some reviews that could be a fun thing to get started so it could be TV shows but songs or albums are probably a little bit easier or if it's a TV short movie maybe Taylor's already seen it and it'll force me to watch something new. So could be fun. But yeah, I'm down for some Super Bowl trivia on Sundays. Taylor, what is your official prediction for the game? My
1: what I hope is let's say 49ers 48 Chiefs 21. Uh that's Super Bowl 38 37 okay. score uh what i think is actually gonna happen is chiefs 24 49ers 17
0: well that makes me really sad i'm going to go niners i'm manifesting this i am saying it's gonna be 34 28 niners let's hope let's hope folks all right well everybody we will be back with a brand new episode on monday so make sure you tune in but This has been another episode of straight up sabers presented by the hockey podcast network and the charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both presenters of this podcast on their respective websites, whatever streaming platform you're currently using to listen to this episode. Make sure you're checking out all of our fellow shows and Social media, you could find both the charging buffalo and the hockey podcast network on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also find us, Straight Up Sabres, and back to that streaming platform of choice that you're using to currently listen to this episode of Straight Up Sabres. We'd very much appreciate it if you'd leave us a nice little rating or review. Last but not least, we have our wonderful sponsor, folks. It is DraftKings Sportsbook. And oh boy, do we love them so much! Make all of your bets this weekend on DraftKings and use that promo code THPN at checkout to take advantage of great deals. We will be back with a brand new episode on Monday, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. This has been Straight Up Sabres. on the